Warning, this podcast involves discussions of a spooky and graphic nature not suitable for children or the faint of heart. Strong language and mature content is present. Listener discretion is advised. You have been warned. Hey, Spooksters! Well, I hope you're excited because Tara and I are both super excited. We're coming at you this week with a bonus episode because of the amazing hit series on Netflix, Conversation with a Killer, the Ted Bundy tapes. We are here for it. I'll be really honest, like, I could not fucking wait to watch this because... I've mentioned before that Ted Bundy is my favorite serial killer like of all time. And uh, a lot of the reasons why we'll go into that later. But I'm so excited. Tara and I started texting immediately. And we're like, let's do this. So yes. Yeah. So let's, you know, let's do the business part first. And then we'll get into the craziness of Ted in a minute. So what are you drinking, Tara? I have a 19 Crimes wine. I saved it specially for this. It is a dark red wine. It's on the bottle, on the label, it says The Banished. It is super yummy and super good. So if you haven't, you guys haven't tried any of the 19 Crimes wine, this is one of my favorites for sure. Nice. 19 mm-hmm. Crimes always got us. It's kind of right? like a little apropos for this episode. Truth. What do you got? I have a drink called The Lady Killer, you know, because <laughs> our main man was a lady killer. So yes. it's got some gin, some brandy. Check out the website. It's got some passion fruit juice and some pineapple juice. It's, it's it's interesting. I'm not, you know, I'm not a huge fan of gin to start. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, like everyone's like gin and tonic. And I'm like, I'm vodka tonic, please. Right. So, but definitely check it out. It's really pretty. Yeah, definitely. Pretty. Yeah, so, I like the color of it. Yes, it's like an orangey color for those of you who are wondering. Mm -hmm. I'm the only one who can see it right now. The reason we always post what like the Pinterest one does is I'm not as talented as these people. And mine look like a kindergartner drew it. (laughs) It's like these people who take these like epically fantastic photos. So, um, yeah. A for effort. That's all that matters. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. And as always, just to run down our list of things is make sure you check out our patron page. If you, Terry, you want to tell them the name because I always forget. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Our Patreon is on patreon.com slash three spooked girls. Like we always say, even for a buck, you can get all kinds of cool stuff, including bonus episodes. So check that out. And then we will not bore you with our social medias. If you are brand new, I do apologize. Click the link tree link. It will take mm-hmm. you to a little website that will have all the buttons because we are everywhere and you can hang out with us and lots of cool stuff on there. Yes. And as always, check out our merch store. Again, everything is linked to our socials at some point. So if you need it or just leave a comment and we'll, you know, we'll figure it out and get that information to you. We're just really excited to dive straight in. The format today is going to be a little different than normal. Typically, we have kind of like an outline of what Mm -hmm. we do. But today, Tara and I are just going to have a conversation. So if you were ever wondering what it's like to sit around and just hang out with us. Here you go. (laughs) And if you are brand new, this is totally different. You can back up one episode to our Valentine's episode. But yeah, yes, hang out with us and let's have fun. 
Yes. So let's talk Ted Bundy. Oh yes. Like, I shouldn't <laughs> be this excited to talk about a serial killer, but I'm also the same person who is like, go into child development, not to teach children, but to look into the psychological defects of serial killers and how their childhood affected them. Mm-hmm. And Ted is one of the most perfect specimens. Sus- drink specimens <laughs> you can think of because boy on the outside looked like prince charming but was straight up like a uh, nasty nasty monster straight up hans of the southern isles Is all right sure we'll go with it southern isles? i do want to go ahead before we jump in and anyone I don't, I don't know, kind of like jumps down our throats. We're not on the team romanticize Mm-mm. by any means. They're it's not. just the psychology and things like that, that we both find very interesting. And real quick, I, we are going to take just a minute or two. I am going to go ahead and read through his victims that were confirmed. And right. we'll just kind of take a second for a moment of silence in remembrance of these beautiful women that were brutally murdered by Ted Bundy. Right. So we have in Washington and Oregon, we have January 4th, Karen Sparks. She was 18 years old. February 1st, Linda Ann Healy. She was 21 years old. March 12th, Donna Gail Manson. She was 19 years old. April 17th, Susan Elaine Rancourt. She was 18. May 6th, Roberta Kathleen Parks. She was 22. June 1st, Brenda Carol Ball. She was also 22. June 11th, Georgianne Hawkins. She was 18. July 14th, Janice Ann Ott. She was 23. July 14th, Denise Marie Nasland. She was 19. And in the Colorado, Utah, Idaho area, October 2nd, Nancy Wilcox. She was 16. October 18th, Melissa Ann Smith. She was 17. October 31st, Laura Ann Aim, she was 17. November 8th, Carol DeRanch, she was 18. This is the badass bitch that got the fuck away mm-hmm. and survived. And I know we'll talk about her too. November 8th, Deborah Jean Kent, she was 17. And we're going to jump to 1975. January 12th, Karen Eileen Campbell, she was 23. March 15th, Julie Cunningham. She was 26. April 6th, Denise Lynn Oliverson. She was 25. May 6th, Lynette Don Culver. She was 12 and the youngest victim. June 28th, Susan Curtis, 15. And we're going to jump to 1978 on January 15th. Margaret Elizabeth Bowman, 21. Lisa Levy, 20. Karen Chandler, 21. Kathy Kleiner, Mm -hmm. 21. Cheryl Thomas, 21, and February 9th, another of one of his youngest victims, Kimberly Diane Leach, age 12. So like we said, we want to just take a moment to remember these these women and obviously some of them young girls who were taken from their families. So please join us in a moment of silence. Okay, so thank you for doing that with us. Something that when Tara and I were talking about this, a lot of times Ted gets all this attention and his victims, they don't have a voice. And Mm -hmm. the one thing that we can remember is that they lived their lives and some of them like were very young. There was two 12-year-olds that were very young. 
So we're going to dive in. And here's like River Song says, if you don't get that, <laughs> get out of here. And I was like, I can't even. Like River Song says, this episode is full of spoilers. Yes. So if so, you're one of the few who have not watched this, please turn this off, go binge, and come right back. Right. Because we're not, we're not going to hold back. We're going to talk about it because... It's something that's out there. It's on Netflix. So if you haven't watched the four-part series, get on it. Yes. Okay. Like we said, there's four. They're named. The first one is Handsome Devil. Yep. One of Us. Not My Turn to Watch Him. And then Burn Bundy Burn. Yes. Each one of those titles comes from either like in the interview tapes or something that was happening around him. Mm-hmm. Which one was your favorite? Um, I don't know. Like, or most interesting, I guess. I think I kind of liked the one of us one because mm-hmm. it really talked about how he was so chameleon-like. Right. One of the things that I, I enjoyed and I can't remember right now is when Carol Durant was talking about him. Mm-hmm. How she said like every single time she saw him, he looked different. Yes. And... I don't know if this was in episode two or three, but they actually did like a little collage of all of his mug shots. Right. I think it was episode three because I'm pretty sure that one was the one I enjoyed the most because mm-hmm. it was kind of going into that more. And it did a lot of his like <laughs> his unofficial press release he did. <laughs> he just looks like a different person each and every time. So it's just fucking nuts. One of the things I thought was really interesting and I don't remember which episode this is in. Mm-hmm. I think it's in three or four when they talk about his mental illness. Yep. I think th- I'm pretty sure that was on the last one. Yeah. yeah. I just I binged. I've watched it both twice at this point. So mm-hmm. and I also watched a different Ted Bundy movie that I sent Tara. Mm-hmm. It, it's from 2002. And we'll talk we'll intertwine that into this, which I will look up the name of it. I think it's just called Ted Bundy. I think so, too. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that I hadn't heard of before was that he had someone was like, this is what he has. And it makes total sense with like when they're talking about that police chief with all the numbers, like the 2336, 2336, mm-hmm. that it's like he was manic depressive. Like he was, you know. Absolutely. And I don't know. And, and things he also said was that he felt like it was like waking up. And like, Mm -hmm. you know, this evil thing has happened. And it's definitely interesting. Definitely. And I've been pretty familiar with Ted Bundy, but this absolutely minus a few things. It did dive in overall in pretty great detail. Even you're probably thinking, well, duh, of course it had his fucking interview tapes on there. But even just the story that they narrated, there was some stuff I personally didn't know. So I thought it was still interesting and I enjoyed it. Especially because, like, in the first episode, they kind of go into, like, his childhood and all of that. Mm-hmm. The stuff about, you know, with his mother, she obviously got pregnant unwed. Right. And That stuff I, I knew. I don't know. There's some sketchy theory or theories out there about who his actual father is. Mm-hmm. Technically, it's, like, his grandpa? Her dad? Yeah. Right. Her dad. Yes. Yeah. I was like, am I confusing myself right now? But stuff like that. And it's crazy because I remember... I don't know who it was that asked him. Someone had asked him kind of about that. And he was just kind of like, I mean, not knowing who your dad's normal. He downplayed it. He downplayed it. And he basically like put that in a box and put that away. Oh, he compartmentalized. 
Yes, that. <laughs> Thank you. I got you. <laughs> yes. He had that and repressed that. So, you know, that kind of ties into like the mental illness and stuff he had too. So it's just right. like, it's crazy. And in like that movie that I sent you and they talk about mm-hmm. like, Ted was so crazy in the fact that he kind of, we're going to jump all over the place. So this is not like chronological. <laughs> so people are going to be like, what? No, no, no. no. Um, but like one of the last stitch efforts that he did to prolong his life was to confess. Mm-hmm. Because he confessed to murders that they hadn't even they hadn't even found these girls, and right. a lot of times the reason they do that is it puts an automatic stay of execution because of the fact that they have to investigate these crimes and charge someone with them. So sometimes you know judges and courts will make the decision not to do that because he's already going to die, and they're like, who the hell mm-hmm. cares? He's going to die, but. There's a lot of the families, like, if you go to his Wikipedia page and you read about the victims, there's a lot that say, like, never found, never found. And that that breaks Mm -hmm. my heart. So he confesses. And one of his big things he says is that he got into pornography when he was really young. Mm -hmm. And that he developed this, like, craving for unusual types of pornography. He could never be satisfied with what he had. And... In the first episode, when they talk about his like relationships, he admits like, I didn't have a girlfriend until I was in my 20s. Right. And she was this well-to-do California girl and she essentially fucking rejects him. Like this Mm -hmm. is his first like actual sexual encounter where he was with another person and she rejects him. I honestly think that Ted was killing his whole life. I think it was along the lines of people rejected him and this is how he dealt with it. Mm-hmm. was kind of like a different personality of him. Right. Because um, that was one of the other things that people suggested that is that he has um, a multiple personality mm-hmm. disorder mm-hmm. where that's how he dealt with rejection. Mm-hmm. And then coupled with the fact that he had this like strange, like craving for pornography in that movie that I sent Tara, mm-hmm. um, which you can find on YouTube, by the way, he has a sexual encounter with his girlfriend, Liz, who in the movie they call Lee, but her name is Liz. Where he like ties her to the bed. And mind you, this is going to be a little graphic. He ties her to the bed and tells her not to make a sound to look dead. Yeah, I remember that scene. Right. And so it's like one of these like truly fucked up things where he's like, I don't even know like how to describe him. He's so fucked up that he just like, this is what I need. And this is what I want. Mm -hmm. And I do think a lot of people romanticize him because of the fact that he was good looking and that he had a high IQ and that, well, I don't know if he had a high IQ. He just came off really intelligent. And even in, you know, the interviews and stuff where at his trial, countless women were like, I could be next. He's just, he doesn't fit the profile. He looks approachable. He's Mm -hmm. charming. He's attractive for the time. Right. (laughs) You know, it's just, I feel like back then people didn't realize anyone could be a killer, any right. fucking buddy. So they were like, he's went to college. He was in law school. He, he's he got a great smile, X, Y, and Z, you know, so he couldn't he's hurt a fly. <laughs> he couldn't hurt anybody, not Ted, because right. I don't know if it was episode one or two. It's like the fucking Seattle police had him. Right. And they let him fucking go. They had him. His girlfriend, Liz, was like, I think it's him. And they interrogated him. And then they were like, well, we saw no, we had no evidence. It was like circumstantial at best, if they could even say. And so, but in my opinion, it's like they should have done their due diligence and looked into it. Because like if they fucking looked in his car, they would have found his fucking like murder rape kit. 
Because mm-hmm. that guy went with it everywhere. I don't know. Exactly. I, just, I feel like, again, it's the 1970s and um, forensics was still up and coming. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't think Ted would have gotten away with it so much today. Fuck no. But Ted Bundy is also the reason women don't trust society to be out and by ourselves. Like, you know, my husband always asks me why I won't take our dog out at night in front of our apartment. And I'm mm-hmm. like, because uh, there's people out there. And he's like, no one's just going to come and rape you. I'm like, uh, Ted Bundy. Like, I don't know. He's he's so fucked up. Mm-hmm. Another thing I remember we were texting about this, too, is every, I think everyone can agree it's fucking ridiculous. He escaped prison not once, but twice. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like the first time it's like that's like the name of the episode is like it wasn't my turn to watch him yeah and it's like okay he jumped from a second story window this is why he's smart is that he looked at something and went they trust me mm-hmm. this is why I can keep doing what I'm doing is because they trust me the guys outside not even looking in at me he lets me open the window. Like, mm-hmm. why is the window even openable? Like, that's right. the thing. And they, like, took off his shackles. And he just practiced. At what point in the prison are guards not going, what the fuck are you doing? Jumping exactly. up and down from your bunk this whole time. Yep. Especially because it was the Aspen jail. It wasn't like there was a ton going on. No, I that mean, person was tiny. And then also, you know, to kind of go into the second escape, they had said that where he carved the hole in the ceiling mm-hmm. was attached to one of the guards' apartment. Right. How did you not notice there was a hole in your fucking floor? What the fuck? Where was the said guard when he's escaping? Like, Ted was crafty. One of my favorite memes I've seen is people trying to research how he lost all that weight, mm-hmm. about how he lost 25 pounds in a week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to fit through that fucking hole because they were like he slimmed down to 140 pounds I'm like that would have been another thing i'd have been like he's not eating he's being very active mm-hmm. i want to point out the big the big elephant in the room is if you are a serial killer abide by the speed limit and normal things because that's how he got caught yeah with his headlights off it's like you mm-hmm. have a fucking rape kit in your car why would you so it's like he's smart, but then he's stupid. Right. But I also feel like he wanted to get caught. It's like he's so smart in the fact that he was like, I'm going to represent myself and win. And he lived in this such denial life. Like his mind was so full mm-hmm. of denial. But yet he can't obey a traffic stop. Like, right. And then have you seen that Dr. Phil? Sorry, this is my crazy mind jumping around. That <laughs> lady on Dr. Phil? No. Oh, God. (laughs) So she claims that she was in Utah going to or Colorado. No, she's going to Colorado, wherever he was in school, wherever that was in Utah. I don't know why I can't remember right now. Law school was in Utah. Yes. So he was she was there. She was going to nursing school and he picked her up Mm. and drove her into the canyon and stopped. And I guess she said that he kept making excuses for the way he was going. And then he got all the way out into this canyon and she thought he was going to like make a move on her. Mm-hmm. And he leans in and goes, I'm going to kill you now. Oh, essentially like drug her out of this area into the woods, which kind of matches his MO. Mm-hmm. And then essentially is like beating her and like messing with her like he would. And she fell into this river and that's mm-hmm. how she escaped. Hmm. Interesting. 
she was on Dr. Phil. That's interesting. You can play devil's advocate and say, yes, this happened. Because it's like if she falls into a a river and gets swept away, like he's not going to make the effort to go get her. Right. I'll just go find somebody else. Pretty much. You know. And then like when people were asking her, like, why didn't you come out? And she's like, why didn't one? I was embarrassed. Mm -hmm. Because I got into this car with this man and I didn't want to tell my mom at the time because my mom would make me come home from school. Hmm. And I'm like, seriously, I would have told everyone. Right. Especially because I feel like that area wasn't so big. She -hmm. probably could have found his car again, found him and identified him to the police. Exactly. I don't want to, I like, don't want to blame her, but I'm blaming her. Like, could have helped. At least, you know, Carol Durant was like, I will help find him. This girl was like, nope, I'm going to go hide. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, she... She was definitely a bad ass. And I was like so happy when she was on the tapes because just fucking awesome, awesome, strong person. Right. I honestly had always thought about her in kind of this almost hypothetical way. Mm-hmm. It didn't even occur to me that she was alive and maybe thriving. Right. Because basically she's just known as, oh, the one person who got away from Ted Bundy and then that's the end of it. Right. But she's not like, she's not the only person who survived. She's the only one who I think saw him, understood what happened to him or happened to her, knew it was him. Right. That's the thing is like, she's standing, she's sitting on the stand and he's just like, she lied. Like she lied before she's lying now. It's like, Ted, you were accused of murder. Mm -hmm. Calling someone a liar is like, he blows my mind sometimes. Right. And then it was just funny because I, th- not the female defense lawyer, but the one he had before that, mm-hmm. he was just like, you know, everything he was doing, it's just like, it kind of goes back to the, like, he wants to be caught or something because he was just kind of like favoring the prosecution. <laughs> like he self-sabotaged himself in the end. Oh my God. Like when he got up and asked that, like in Florida, when he got up and made Mm -hmm. that sorority house yeah yeah being that cop retell the story in fucking gruesome detail Mm -hmm. about what happened and like his own attorneys are like i would never have ever done this and the Mm -hmm. like the the prosecution was like i don't know why they did this he's such a cocky motherfucking cunt though (laughs) oh my god no so much so on one hand it may have also been like let me display what the fuck i did here you go, motherfuckers. Check it, out my handiwork. I honestly think it was a victory lap for him. Yep. It was this like fucked up victory lap where he was like, oh, yeah, I did that. And the other thing is, is he was so sure he was going to walk out. Oh, yeah. Because even when he was getting his charges read, he was like, OK, are you done? Is it my turn to talk to the press now? Just like right. nonchalant bullshit like oh here's your speeding ticket kind of thing when it's no you're being charged with multiple fucking murders you piece of shit right he was one of america's first sensational murders where but here's the thing like he just he's so this case his cases are so outrageous what he did and like okay so let's talk about this the second escape for a minute and mind you, he almost escaped another time that they don't talk about, which is he almost went out a window of a van. I'm pretty sure. Oh, oh wow. I right. haven't read about that one. <laughs> My favorite thing is when he says, like, he gets caught again and he's like, you know, they're so paranoid that I'm going to try to escape or something. And the therapist is like, well, I don't know what would give him that idea. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that part. And imagine being in Aspen at that time. I mean, like, yeah, so right. there's a serial killer somewhere in Nimna Woods. Yeah, but. it's fucking terrifying. And then it just goes back to, like, he got on multiple Greyhounds. He got on a fucking airplane. Right. And traveled on down to Florida. It's just fucking insane. Right. It's so insane how he just was like, you know what I'm going to do? So he basically stole a car. Let's see. So he stole a car and basically drove to Denver, caught a flight to Chicago, and then took a couple buses to Florida. Mm-hmm. I'm Something just like, like um, and this is Tara and I were talking about, like, I don't know what it took to get on a plane in the 70s. He essentially was just like, oh, God, Tara, he went through Colorado Springs. Oh, no. Tara used to live there. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> one of my favorite places. But yeah, uh, and it's just crazy because it's not even the money aspect because like, cool, mm-hmm. you can pickpocket people for money, credit cards, right. whatever. But it's like, obviously, na- well, obviously, it's like way more strict now. But it's like, they didn't ask for an ID. It just blows my mind. Well, I remember being a kid not having to have like a picture ID to get on a plane. I'm a little older than you, so I remember these yeah. things. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I don't. I mean, 9-11 changed pretty much everything. But it's just, it's insane. Like, he got on a bus, he boarded a plane, he got into a bar fight, and then he ends up in Florida, of all places, which he's like, I didn't even expect to end up there. It wasn't even that long, like, after Mm -hmm. he escaped, that he fucking, like, started killing again. Right. I'm trying to see what date he escaped on. Mm -hmm. Um, The 30th of December. And then it's like his next killing is the 15th of January. So two fucking weeks. Right. So the dude couldn't even go two weeks. In the movie that I was watching, it shows that he saw the girls at a um, at a bar. Okay. And then essentially followed one home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he bit one of them, which was his ultimate yeah i mean that's i was gonna say yeah that was like one of the i remember kind of the big deal forensics things back then was they were able to like get the mold of his teeth and then like use that to match that up with the photos and stuff right and i think that is considered like circumstantial evidence today like Mm -hmm. that people could have the same bite pattern i don't know if if i'm wrong people please tell me because i'd like (laughs) to know but it's just sad like so he goes into this house the sorority house and he kills two girls sexually assaults them bludgeons two other girls sexually assaults them hurts them and then it's not even that far away he's he gets two fucking blocks and then kills again or tries to kill again he didn't kill her in the movie i was watching he said he was like talking to someone and he basically said oh you have to admire a guy to get away with this and they're like who the fuck the fuck and i think Ted realized he was sincerely fucked up. So his last victim that we know of is Kimberly Leach. Um, and she was 12. Like she was a baby. Mm-hmm. And in the final episode, the detective who found her says he was like, I hadn't cried since I was a teenager. And the day I found right. her, I, I bawled. And I just like, I lost it at that point. Cause it's like, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of his victims were young, like between 15 and 17. So he definitely mm-hmm. had a, a type, mm-hmm. you know, and I think it goes back to Diane, who is the woman that he dated in California, right. that when I've seen pictures of her, a lot of his victims look just like her. 
Mm-hmm. And he even says, I wanted to get my revenge on her. And they broke up. Right. And shortly thereafter, his big numbers. Yep. That's fucking scary. And you know what's insane? So little side note. So, you know, when he, um, I can't, that beach in Washington where he was like pretending to have his, like the broken arm and stuff to get help yeah. with the boat. It's Lake Samasashi. I don't know how to say it. It's all good. Okay. Well, someone that I'm friends with that you know also, um, mm-hmm. she had a family member that was at the beach the same fucking day that he Damn. killed those two girls. Yes. Okay. And we have to talk about these two particular ones. Okay. Because, so he abducted Janice Ann Ott and Denise Marie Nesland. Nesland. Yeah. And so Janice was there at the beach. Her husband was on business mm-hmm. away. And so she went to the beach to tan. And she was abducted first in broad daylight. He asked her for help. It right. said that she got, like, frustrated and was, like, fine and went to help him. And then was never seen from again. And then the other Denise was with her boyfriend and was at the bathroom. And this is where like, this is so fucking conniving is that he puts his arm in a cast and then asks for help. Right. And as a woman, there's this kind of like innate sense of like wanting to help something that's helpless, you know, Mm -hmm. it's why it's called maternal instinct. And so these women reacted and this is what scared mm-hmm. the shit out of women is because he was this, you know, for again, to caveat for Tara for the time he was good looking. Mm-hmm. He had a charming smile. He was well-dressed. He mm-hmm. had a vehicle. He articulated himself. Well, he just presented himself as this outstanding citizen. Mm-hmm. And today we freak out over everything, right? These women had no chance because Men who killed the way he killed were these, like, low-life, gross-looking motherfuckers that you could spot a mile away. He changed the game. He got Janice first, but we went back for Denise. Janice was still alive. What? So Janice was still alive, and he kept her alive and made her watch as he violated Denise. Oh, my God. He spills it all at the end. That's right. the tapes I really want to see are the ones where he his actual confession tapes. I know that they're mm-hmm. out there somewhere. Of course. But yeah, he he just like spills it all and says mm-hmm. like, I did this. And the weird thing is this is the first time like people actually saw him. I mean, he gave his actual name. Right. Like, he mm-hmm. introduced himself like, Jesus, give yourself a fake name. Like be like, hi, my name is Todd. Very yeah. easy. Just switch a couple letters. His childhood had to contribute to this. Like, he found out that he was essentially a bastard, that his sister was his mother, and that his mother and father were actually his grandparents. Just crazy. And it said that his family was super, like, she says, like, they were the have, like, in the um, a childhood friend or someone who knew them said that he was part of the have-not group. Right. They would have a lot of money, but they were super, like leave it to beaver status. Right. Yeah. Like he still participated in Boy Scouts, even though he didn't fit in. He did sports, Mm. even though he wasn't very good at it. Just so it's like, essentially to kind of keep a certain image to be like, oh, I'm in the Boy Scouts. Oh, I play football, Mm -hmm. you know, just for that status. 
for Ted, that was always the biggest thing. And that goes back to that girlfriend. You know, she was from a well-to-do family and all of that. And, you know, she wanted someone who could take care of her and he could not. Right. And all of the descriptions that he gives of the women in his life that are Mm -hmm. significant, it's, you know, Diane, she comes from a well-to-do family. Liz came from money. Like, he Mm -hmm. very much equated, like, social status to what made him i'm excited about the movie that's coming up with zach efron and lily collins um yes i actually read today and i meant to send you the article but it was like right before we were setting up yeah it's in sundance and stuff right now but netflix actually paid for the rights of it so i noticed when i was on the wikipedia page for Uh the conversation with the killer it's written it's the same guy yeah which i'm super excited because one i Love me some Zac Efron. <laughs> and I'll leave it there. Like, and and see, that's the thing. That's the thing. People are throwing a fit uh-huh. over it being Zac Efron, but I think it is genius because see, here's the thing. Like I said earlier, he was extremely attractive for his time period. So right. really, you want to pick an actor that's going to portray that, right? Because like the movie that I watched, the yeah. actor is not cute. No. And see, I don't know how true this is, but I remember hearing that it's going to be in Liz's point of view more right. than his, you know. And they've done that. Like the one that I watched kind of tells a little bit more from like Lee's side. I mean, it's very much right. Ted's side, but they show a little bit of Lee's side, which is Liz. But I do love Lily Collins. I want her eyebrows so bad. I know. So I think it'll be I think it'll be very good if it is from her point of view until she knew what figured out what he was doing. Right. Of course she thought he was an amazing person. You know, it was her boyfriend. Right. Ted was very good with Liz's kid. Like right. every story I've ever heard, every portrayal is that they were this little family mm-hmm. and that he kind of kept her at like a distance, but then would bring her back in. Right. Because she was his perfect cover. How could he be this killer if he had this totally functioning relationship? He was a pseudo stepdad. He, you know, he participated in their lives, but also like was slightly a klepto Hmm. and stole shit. And that was an issue in their relationship. So it's like she says like they and part of the interview that they show is that she's like in my day to day life, I couldn't think of things. But then all of a sudden, like he did certain things. I was like, okay, something's wrong. Right. He covered it just enough, but she, you know, obviously figured it out. So I think a lot of what ended up happening towards the end is that like he just he was manic the whole time. Mm -hmm. Like He escaped. And then it was like it wasn't if I'm going to get caught again. It was when I'm going to get caught again. Right. And then it was now that I'm caught. Like, I think he kind of felt relief when he got caught. The fact that he like had an unaltered identity, like ready to go, like he, like he wouldn't tell them his name. And then he mm-hmm. said he was this person and they put it on the news. And that guy was like, that's not me. I'm not in jail. <laughs> I'm at home. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so he was ready to go. And then it's just like it took them so long to figure out who the fuck he was. Right. It's insane. I think it also, though, you know, it doesn't help like he was such a chameleon. Like he just mm-hmm. he would look so different like with the hair the facial hair the weight everything like he could change how he looked like so fucking easy and I think he knew that I think he Mm -hmm. has known that from a a young age and one of the things that worries me is how many victims are out there that -hmm. we'll never know about right he was like you know he said he also killed so many other people but it's like 
back then they had no way to figure out if he was just fucking bullshitting or if he actually did and it's so sad because one of them was even younger than his youngest victims one of them was a eight-year-old yeah but he was supposedly 14 so one of the things that ted did there is a bunch of um other victims and we'll talk about them in a minute but like what he did is when he confessed there were there were murders that he was never going to talk about because they were either like too close to home, they were too close to family, the victims were too young. Mm-hmm. So it le- leads me to believe that even as an adult, he killed children. And one of the interesting things is like Ted never just picked like a homeless woman. No, he picked these like educated, like cute, like responsible, girl ne- yeah, girl next door. Which was kind of his downfall. Like, he should have picked the girl who would disappear for weeks at a time. But I I think he would get attracted to them. Like, I think a lot of his victims weren't random. I think he followed them. I think he kind of, I think that's what took so long between murders is I think he quickly found someone in between and then stalked them and knew. Oh, yeah. You know, not even just their physical appearance, because that's two seconds. But it's like a lot of these girls, like they were in college, they were college graduates, they had great jobs. You know, a bunch of them were like described as like they would never miss work. You could rely Mm -hmm. on them. One of them like worked for a radio station and they were just like when she didn't show up, they knew something was wrong. Right. It was Linda Ann Huey. Mm -hmm. She worked for like a radio station. She did the news and the ski report. Yeah. Even like the detective on the show says they made a comment because she didn't come into work and they were like, I wonder where she's at. But do you want to talk about some of the other victims that they have? Sure. Some of these Mm -hmm. unknown people. Yeah, of course. Let's talk about the eight year old because you brought it up. So her name was Anne Marie Burr. Mm-hmm. She was eight. She vanished from her home in Tacoma, Washington. Yep. In 1961, Ted was 14. And Ted was their paper boy. The victim's father said that he saw Bundy or Ted Bundy in a ditch um, at the construction site. And that's where his daughter disappeared from. Like mm-hmm. it was on this like campus, the University of Puget Sound campus. Mm-hmm. And then she was never seen again. And mm-hmm. it's, they say it's likely that this is probably one of his first murders. He denied it up and like he actually wrote the family a letter in the night in 1986 mm-hmm. and said that he did not do it. But this kind of hits every one of those markers like mm-hmm. the victim was too young. It was too close to his parents. It was too close to his family. The only issue is that they can't forensically link him to it because I mean, it was the 1960s. Yeah. So they just did not have the technology whatsoever, unfortunately. Right. And then I know the next one was a couple flight attendants right? that were up there in Seattle. They were both based out of there. And then they always shopped at Safeway that he worked at. Right. And, you know, they were bludgeoned to, to death. Right. And, you know, after seeing the Chi Omega crime scene, they said it was super, super similar to that. So. Right. And one of them, I believe, died. Yeah, Lonnie died. Yeah, one of them died, but the other one didn't. And the thing is, she does. She has permanent memory loss, but she right. said, I know it was him. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I know this, but I know it was him. Right. And, like, that's that's pretty condemning, like, that you would think that that would be somewhere in her mind. Yeah, definitely. Like, 
just has that gut feeling. She can't explain why, but she she just fucking knows. Right. There was another pair, Susan Davis and Elizabeth Perry. So they were 19, and uh, it was this was in 1969, and their car was found abandoned by the Golden State Parkway in New Jersey, and he was actually in Philadelphia at the time. So I don't know too much about East Coast geography. Mm-hmm. Because I barely know California geography. (laughs) But I'm pretty sure you can drive that. And it was said that one of the victims was found naked and the other one was fully cloaked. Which is interesting because, like, he's all the way on the other side of the country. Right. So, and with the way that you can literally crisscross the country. Mm -hmm. He was, yeah, so he was back there visiting an aunt. Mm -hmm. He was actually wearing a leg cast from an automobile accident. Oh. But there's no actual proof that he did it. It's just that right. he's considered a strong suspect. Mm-hmm. I remember something, too, when they were talking about Florida and stuff. It was like, he was like, you know, when I went this far, when I got there, he's like, I didn't think anybody would know who Ted Bundy is because I went right. on the opposite side, of, opposite side of the country. So that kind of like puts that thought into my head. You know, he's doing all this stuff on the East Coast. It's like, it's not where he's from and he's just visiting. He's going to leave. So there's going to be right. no consequences. And I think if he hadn't gone so manic, he probably would never have gotten caught. Honestly, probably not. Like, he could have blended in and just started over. And I mean, I think it would have been really simple. He could have, like, left the country. He could Mm -hmm. have um, gone to, like, the Florida Keys. I mean, you want to talk about remote. There's just so many just kind of scattered through different places he visited. And even back in Washington where he first was, it's just, you know, it's nuts. And Mm -hmm. they all seem to have that theme. It's like, you know, they're they're nude. They've been bludgeoned to death. And then, you know, other things too. And it's just, I don't know if as he got older, the manic episodes just got worse. And he just kind of got more carefree like less you know kind of like felt invincible because if he did kill all these people from such a young age it's kind of like well I've already killed 20 30 people so what the fuck's it matter if I kill five more right I I think what like you have we have to realize is that for instance like when Carol got away from him Mm -hmm. he immediately went and found someone else to kill yeah oh yeah he went like it was he did not miss a beat he just went right away and grabbed his next person Right. It's that like obsessive compulsive side of it where he had to do this thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I was so fascinated about the psychology behind it, because if we can see kids and see what they're doing and their behavior when they're young, because that's the thing. If someone had paid attention and that's the right. truth, if someone had paid attention, I guarantee you that there would have been something along his childhood that People would have been like, you know what? There's just not, there's something not right with Ted. Mm-hmm. But at the time, you didn't talk about something not being right. You no. Know? Yep. And a lot of it was that I think his parents wanted him to fit in. They wanted him to be the perfect child. And mm-hmm. he could never be the perfect child because he didn't even know who he was in his own sense. Right. And then to bring it back to the pornography aspect, like he was noted saying that that's what caused it was that he had such an addiction from such a young age. And I just like, I don't think like the way he talks that anyone was really checking on him. And I'm not trying to make him a victim here. Like 
Oh, hell no. He's not because you know what? You guys don't know my story, but I come from a, like my background is in all roses and sunshine, you know, but I'm not a serial Mm -hmm. killer. I've, you know, (laughs) made choices in my life to get help and know, like he could have as an adult, he could have been like, there's something wrong. I need to get help. We owe it to society that when you see stuff like people behaving weird that you report them. Absolutely. See something, say something. Right. Because Mm -hmm. we think like, oh, it's none of my business or something like that. It's one of those things where you're just like, you know what? You have to say something because if someone had gotten to Ted when he was a kid and like talked to him and helped him out, like Mm -hmm. he might have gone a different path. He might have become the lawyer he wanted to. He might have become a judge. He wanted to go into politics like he could have done that. And I mean, and think about all these, all these women who would still be around. Right. I mean, I think of like some of those kids were my mom's age or a little, a little older than my mom. Right. Yeah. I mean, plenty of them were the age of, you know, our friend's parents or our own Mm -hmm. parents. And it's just, it's crazy. Like my friend, I told you earlier, she had a family member who was there the same day. It could have easily have been her aunt. Bad as that sounds, it's like, it could have been anybody. And I feel like the whole Ted Bundy thing is, that's what woke people up being like, oh, this doesn't just happen to other people. This happened to me. Like I remember one of the victim's family, that's what he, I think it was a dad. He had said, you know, we hear about this in the papers. We see it on TV. And he's Mm -hmm. like, you never think it's going to be you. And now it has, now it is me. Now that is our reality. I feel like in the terrible things he did that kind of woke everybody up as a a society Mm -hmm. to be less trusting because, you know, back then they still, they would leave their doors unlocked. They would do whatever and fucking no way in fuck are you going to catch me with any of my doors unlocked. Right. Whether I'm home alone or not. No fucking way. Right. So it's just insane. Like it's completely terrible. I guess it just kind of opened all of our eyes that you, you can't trust many people with that kind of thing. Cause it's like, Ted was like such a good old boy basically. And look at what he did. Like on paper, he was amazing. Mm-hmm. He exactly. He had a degree in psychology. He was going to law school. He was joining the Mormon church, all of these things that would make you think like, wow, I'm a good person. Mm-hmm. He secretly was a fucking sociopath. Yep. The thing is, is, he knew he was a sociopath. Oh, yeah. To have like a bachelor's in psychology and not understand what you were. He had a fundamental understanding of who he was. Mm-hmm. But like you said earlier, he'd gotten away with it for so long. Right. He just had this sense of, I don't know, invincibility, basically, at that point, because it was just like... Mm-hmm back to the press release and all Mm -hmm. of that which you know is a quote-unquote not press release but we know that was set up he was smiling he was winking at the cameras he was just acting like it was no big deal like here's my fucking i ran a red light what the fuck ever kind of attitude right just nuts he acted like he was some hollywood hot shot like a trumped up dui charge exactly and that's like the one thing, like when that one lawyer got up and did that like amazing cross examination, like literally poked all these holes and then he got up and fired him. Yeah. It shows how unstable he was and how he had to control the situation. I don't think Ted actually thought he was ever going to die. No. You know, they say that the last day that he was there, he was like, all he did was weep. He wouldn't eat. He mm-hmm. was just weeping and crying and praying and 
I don't think he was crying for what he did. I think he was crying because the moment it finally hit him that he wasn't going to survive it. Mm-hmm. He wasn't going to weasel his way out. And I think he honestly thought that's what was going to happen. I think because like the whole FBI thing, which I will recommend if you like true crime, check out the Netflix show Mindhunter. Have you seen it? No, I have it on my list, though, because you told me to to watch oh my, it. It's so good. I like was I had, I think, the flu or something one day and I just like binge watched the whole first season. I think there's only one out right now, but it's so good. But mm-hmm. he was doing that like the FBI were coming in and they were giving him cases and he was saying like, well, maybe maybe they do this or, you know, like this is maybe what they're thinking. And he was helping build profiles for the FBI. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like his last thing was he kept trying to say like, I could be helpful. I could help. And you yeah. should keep me alive because I could be helpful. Right. But at the end of the day, it's like, no. And I mean, I'm the type of person who like, in this instance, I feel like revenge wasn't really done. Because I mm-hmm. really feel like I know this people are gonna be like, wow, she fucked up. But I feel like he inflicted so much torture on so many innocent people that for him to be electrocuted, the whole process took under five minutes. It wasn't enough. Uh, And he literally would torture these women for hours, days. Mm -hmm. I I also believe there's a special place in hell for people like him. Mm -hmm. And I really hope it's just he gets to be tortured endlessly Mm -hmm. the same way he tortured and killed Mm-hmm. There's no words to really describe how much of a monster he was. It's, it's insane. And it just, even in today, like all of the stuff we see is just, it blows my fucking mind. Like he killed so many fucking people. It's just disgusting. And just how he acted, not even just like seeing how he acted, but actually, you know, on the Ted Bundy tapes, getting to hear his voice and getting to like actually see it, it was just beyond fucking chilling. That It was so weird because it's like I always perceived his voice being even though I've seen clips of him talking before Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. and they're always so brief but it was like listening to him describe what was happening and I think that the fucking weird thing was is because they were trying to get him to talk and so then they have him do that third person right he like just grabs the recorder and starts talking into it and talking about like oh this is what this person must have been feeling or doing Mm -hmm. It was like he was having an out-of-body experience. The reporter was like, he took the recorder and he just kind of like cradled it onto his chest and he just fucking went. I honestly think it was kind of like another victory lap for him that he got yep. to talk about all of this fucked up shit he did, but he mm-hmm. did, he wasn't culpable for any of it because he wasn't actually saying like, I Me. did this. Mm-hmm. He was saying, this is what happened and I only know this because... I'm guessing. Right, exactly. It was so, like, so many of the things were, like, so on point that they're, like, the only way you would know this is if you were there. Mm Mm-hmm. Just fucking nuts. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed listening to us kind of discuss Ted Bundy and the Ted Bundy tapes and all of that good stuff. And, you know, this like Jessica said, this is honestly how we have phone calls for hours on end, so... (laughs) Like, I'm watching this stuff ahead. Like, when I this came out, I started watching it, like, immediately. Mm-hmm. Like, didn't even care. It was like, I want to watch all of this. Yep. So, yeah. Kind of little real-life convo with your gal pals. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> we hope you guys enjoyed it and enjoyed getting to listen to us uh, an extra time during the week. 
Yay. So yeah, I guess with that, we will go ahead and sign off and we will see you next Monday for our regular episode. Yes. All right. Bye, guys. Bye.